0: They can't beat Mitch Trubisky, man. I feel like, you know, things aren't going well. This is Saverin on Steelers. Hello, all in Steeler Nation. Welcome to Saverin on Steelers, our podcast. I'm Stan Saverin, weekday host on ESPN Pittsburgh and also co-host on the Steelers postgame show with Charlie Batch on the Steelers radio network. The Steelers coming off somewhat of a surprising win. Two surprising wins in consecutive years. I think everybody was somewhat surprised, at least around the NFL and largely in Pittsburgh, that the Steelers went into Buffalo a year ago and won their opener. I don't know if the victory over the Bengals qualifies as big a surprise, but indeed you're talking about the defending division winner and the defending AFC champions in the Cincinnati Bengals, and the Steelers went in there and won in one of the wildest and craziest games you think you'd ever want to see. Uh, I'm thinking about Steve Martin and Dan Aykroyd were two wild and crazy guys. Well, that was one wild and crazy game. To uh, go ahead and have that kind of defensive performance, seven turnovers, five sacks, and still have to go into overtime to win it, needing a block point after touchdown, needing the opposition to miss a 29-yard field goal chip shot. And that's what it took to win that game that made it all the crazier. Certainly, they could have won it earlier. Chris Boswell hitting the upright with a supreme doink. The doink hurt all through Steeler Nation. You thought that was doom. Um, It certainly was gloom, but you also thought it was doom. And yet, to get that other opportunity, the defense continuing to rise up. The defense, of course, was magnificent. It was as dominating a defensive performance as you can possibly have. But that also leads to the fact that the Steelers had to go to the lengths that they had to go to to win that game, with the fact that they had seven sacks and five turnovers. It should have been much easier than that. And indeed, the Steelers had themselves an 11 point halftime lead, but you kind of got the sense that the Bengals would snap out of it eventually. They're just too talented offensively not to, they showed a lot of rust. Joe Burrow did not play in the preseason, their offensive line, much like the Steelers, is almost a brand-new outfit. They hadn't played together, and it showed. And that's not to take away anything from the Steelers' magnificent performance defensively. The Bengals were hampered by not having T. Higgins for most of the second half, and, of course, the Steelers were hampered, although it didn't show, at least not in this game, losing T.J. Watt for the near future. But still, they managed to persevere and win. But with the kind of defensive performance that they got, I don't think you can go into any game thinking, well, don't worry, we'll get seven sacks and five turnovers. Maybe cut the sacks in half. Maybe you get three or four. That's a winning formula. But five turnovers? If you get two, that's a good day. If you win the turnover battle, that's a good day. But the one thing that turnovers should do, now in the one instance, of course, Minkah Fitzpatrick scored on the interception return. But what you'd like to do with your defense, if you get the turnovers, is if not score, then put your offense in favorable field positions to help enable them to score. And that really happened... To a degree, Sunday, but not nearly enough. And it does draw questions about the offense. Not able to run the ball. The rushing yards they got, most of them were on jet sweeps. Najee Harris not able to get the kind of running room that he needs, that any running back needs. And that's got to change. It's got to be different. And there's only one place to point, and that's the offensive line everyone who follows this team was well aware that this was going to be an issue hopefully a slowly evolving issue an issue that would dissipate over time with each passing game the steelers presumed or at least hoped that it would take some time in discussing the issue with max starks on my program on tuesday he mentioned that as a former offensive lineman himself that to get the desired cohesion necessary to be an effective unit would probably take four games. But even then, given the level of talent that they've amassed, I don't know that they're going to necessarily be confused with the hogs of the Redskins when they were called that years and years ago. But they can get up to a point where they're an adequate offensive line, because this team does have weapons. But the powder in those weapons will be kept dry only if the offensive line can perform. The protection for Mitch Trubisky was adequate, but it wasn't great because it was Trubisky's mobility that enabled him to get sacked just once. I'm sure you saw the game, you know, that had that been, let's say, Ben, Ben, Or Mason Rudolph, the chances are there would have been four or five sacks. As it is, there was one rather harmless sack against him. But so much of the Matt Canada offense is predicated on running the ball and, as it relates to the passing game, using play action to facilitate the pass game. And as football fans, you know, if a defense does not fear the run, then the play action is meaningless. They're not going to bite on any fake. They're not going to worry about coming up to stop the run if you can't do it. Now, certainly, throwing the ball downfield will loosen up a defense, too, as long as you complete them. But then you have the great conundrum of, if I go back to throw deep, will my line give me enough protection so I can get the pass off in time to hit a receiver that's open? And therein lies the dilemma. The offense against Cincinnati looked, unfortunately, much like the offense of last year, which was not at all productive. It even paralleled the way the Steelers came back. Seven of their nine victories were won in the fourth quarter, coming from behind. The Steelers did not come from behind. They never trailed in the game. But they did manufacture a drive led by Trubisky, to get the game-winning field goal by Chris Boswell. But overall, the offense, they got by with it. But the question is, is it uh, sustainable? I think not. Mike Tomlin said at his press conference, when asked about the offense, and kind of that horizontal as opposed to vertical offense, short passes, same kind of stuff that aggravated everybody a year ago, he said it was done by design. And it made me wonder, is it by design or was it by design? We'll see what happens in the future. But was the game plan in Cincinnati by design to protect the offensive line, to shield them from committing a big mistake? Once the Steelers saw, talking about the coaching staff, the defense playing the way that they were playing, and not only stopping Cincinnati's defense, but stealing the ball from them, scoring a touchdown, and building up a nice lead, I think they got to a point where they said, let's not lose this game. Let's make Cincinnati try to win it. They weren't going to aid and abet the Bengals by taking risks offensively. That, Mike Tomlin said, is why you saw so many few shots down the field. And maybe part of it was they wanted Mitch Trubisky to get comfortable in his first game as a starter. That's entirely possible as well. So they played it very safe. Still no run game. They didn't create much at all. But they didn't turn the ball over not even once. And I get the strong feeling, the way that game transpired, as I mentioned, needing a block extra point, a missed chip shot, That if the Steelers had turned it over once or twice, they would have lost that game. And so they played it very safe. And so what Mike Tomlin was saying, they did that by design. That was planned. It wasn't just, well, here's our new offense. But the question becomes, is that sustainable? I don't think it is. Now, Mike Tomlin did say that that was our plan for that game. That doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a plan for this game, meaning the Patriot game coming up Sunday afternoon in the home opener. We shall see. The one thing that gives you pause is that whatever Bill Belichick is, he's also known as a guy who devises defenses to shut you down. They take away what you do best. Now, the question might be asked, What is it the Steelers do best offensively? And the answer right now, pretty hard to tell. But Tomlin asserted that just because they did it against the Bengals doesn't mean that they'll play that very conservative game, that very conservative approach offensively moving forward. We'll find out Sunday when the Patriots come to town. The New England Patriots lost to Miami Sunday. 20 to 7. We want to get a scouting report on the Patriots from Trini Kuznarek. She works for NBC Sports in Boston. Trenny joins us now on the on Steelers podcast. And Trenny, it sure seems like the Dolphins have the Patriots' number. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Uh, Tua is 4 and 0 oh against um, Bill Belichick, which just is like mind blowing, I think, to people here. And Stan, it's kind of hard. Like, Okay, so this year it's not as hard to figure out why, right? The Dolphins went out, <clears throat> got a new head coach in Mike McDaniel, got t- added Tyreek Hill um Jalen Waddell and of course Chua have the the connection from their time in Alabama so their offense is a lot better like you expected them to be better they've got a pretty good defense obviously Zavarian Howard's a great cornerback so like you kind of knew this year that the that the Dolphins had the edge but for whatever reason they have just really had the Patriots number in the past few years and if we're being honest a lot of teams have had the Patriots number for the past couple of years ever since Tom Brady left because since Tom Brady left, it's just been a lot of trial and error. There wasn't really a succession plan in place. Um, Bill Belichick has not drafted well in recent years, so much so that Robert Kraft has called him out about it the last couple of years, saying that it needs to be better, they need to start developing some young talent because it's something that hasn't happened here. Um, It's strange times, it is strange times in Boston. I've always lived here where it was like, Patriots going to the Super Bowl was like a foregone conclusion or at least having an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl. And now they're using terms like bridge year. Bridge year.
0: It's almost as if in those years that the Super Bowl was like the 20th game on their schedule uh, or 19th game on their schedule. It was almost automatic. It, It begs the question, before we actually talk about the particulars of this year's team training, Uh, this always seems to be a debate when one team has great success, uh, none greater than the Patriots. Was it Brady or was it Belichick?
1: I mean, for a long time, Dan, I would have said it was at the very least a combination of both, right? Like one, like chicken or the egg, which came first, one could not exist without the other, but it's getting harder and harder to make a case for Bill Belichick because Brady left and went to Tampa won a Super Bowl Brady has gone back to Tampa and even though they didn't make the Super Bowl last year they've had a lot of injuries I mean they were still competitive they were still a team like Brady you could argue deserved to win the MVP last year instead of Aaron Rodgers and Brady again this year the Buccaneers are heavily favored to go to the Super Bowl whereas the Patriots since Tom Brady left have been a shell of themselves I mean you're talking about a team right now that is trying to implement a new offense without offensive coordinators it's almost like Bill Belichick is grasping at tra- straws, trying to figure out how to recapture some of the magic he found with Brady. And I'm not sure that you can do it without the guy who was, I mean, for lack of a better term, since I'm talking about magic, the magician, and the magician was Tom Brady. Tom Brady needs everyone else a better around him. And I'm starting to wonder if Bill Belichick is if, if, if he's able to do the same.
0: Let's talk about the quarterback position. Uh, Mac Jones was drafted number one. He probably played last year sooner than Belichick would have liked. We're experiencing that here in Pittsburgh. Uh, naturally, Pittsburgh fans would like to see Kenny Pickett, but they don't want to throw a rookie to the you know to the uh, wolves, and so they're using uh, another quarterback, Mitch Trubisky, instead. Um, has there been a regression in Mac Jones? I know it's only been one game, but by all accounts, he performed admirably in his rookie year. I mean, is that is that the center of the issue with their offense?
1: No, it honest, honestly, stands to not. Um, I don't, you know, it's hard to say if Mac Jones has had a regression and if he does, honestly, I'm going to go back to the guy I was just talking about and put the blame on Bill Belichick because listen, Josh McDaniels is deserved to have the opportunity to go coach the Las Vegas Raiders. He wanted another chance to be a, um, and he obviously wanted to be a head coach somewhere. But Bill Belichick knew that. Bill Belichick allowed him to interview. He allowed him to leave. The craft knew he was going to leave. You would think, similar to Tom Brady, that you would have an idea of who you were going to use to replace Josh McDaniels. And instead, they've used a combination. Like, they, have, they do not have an offensive coordinator. Not only do the Patriots not have a defensive coordinator, but instead Gerard Mayo and Steve Belichick sort of co-coordinate – Now you have Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, two failed head coaches, Patricia with the Detroit Lions, Judge with the New York Giants, coaching the offense, and they're not just co-coordinators, they both are also position coaches. So Matt Patricia, who by the way everybody knows was the defensive coordinator for the Patriots for years, is now the de facto play caller on offense for the Patriots while also coaching the offensive line which has been the weakest link of the Patriots. So, no, I don't put this on Mac Jones at all. If anything, like, I don't know if it's possible to be feel bad for a professional athlete, but I kind of feel bad for Mac Jones because here in a second year, when he may have been able to take a step forward, continuing to develop as, a, as an NFL quarterback, instead he's working with two guys who don't have intimate knowledge of the offense, who don't who have never coached quarterbacks before, who have never run an offense before outside of being a head coach. And now they're charged with not only running the Patriots offense with a second-year quarterback, but Bill Belichick decided that they were going to employ a Shanahan-style offense. Neither has run a Shanahan-style offense yet. And so now they've switched their offense from last year to a different style, and they have two coordinators who have never done it before. Like, I don't know how Mac Jones could possibly succeed in that position.
0: Wow, that's, <clears throat> that's really uh, convoluted. Uh, logic and reasoning, Yeah, it sounds like Mac Jones had a better offensive line in Alabama based on how, how many yep. Alabama offensive linemen get drafted. What weapons does he have, Trenny?
1: Well, um, if Kendrick Foreign manages to get out of either Belichick's doghouse or Matt Patricia's doghouse, he does have Kendrick Foreign and Jacoby Myers. He either, like, blew the doors off the place last year. They both, um, I think they were both up around 850, 800 yards receiving four or five touchdowns last year um but they can stretch the field a little bit they did sign Devontae Parker in the offseason but the problem with Devontae Parker is sometimes he's good and sometimes he just doesn't always try very hard which I think we saw on Sunday with that jump ball sort of um, back shoulder pass back through that ended up being intercepted now Zaverian Howard was all over Devontae Parker and pulling on him but it's not like Parker really made a huge effort to go up and get that 50-50 jump ball If it's not easy, it kind of seems like maybe Parker doesn't want to do it. Hunter Henry is actually a pretty good weapon for him, the tight end, um, that they signed a couple, uh, I guess, before last season. He had nine touchdowns, led the Patriots last year. Um, John Smith, we all expected to be a bigger part of the offense this year, but he's not. We still have Nelson Aguilar. So there's a lot of names, but they're all kind of like middle-of-the-road guys, right? Like you don't have a Tyree kill. Um, on your team. You don't have a game changer that they went out and signed in the offseason. They're kind of trying to get away with making do with what they have and hoping one of those guys emerges or that this new Shanahan offense finally takes flight and works its way, you know, into actually being productive at some point this year so that the offense can in turn be productive.
0: Our guest is Trenny Kuznarek-Casey of NBC Sports in Boston, a former colleague of mine uh, at uh, various named outposts uh, on TV here in Pittsburgh. Um, It it sounds like the offensive line is a mess, and I'm wondering, Trenny, in the game against the Dolphins, did they get great pressure on Mac Jones? And I asked the question in conjunction with the Steelers' pass rush, they will not have T.J. Watt, but they still have some pretty good guys who can get to the quarterback, and I'm wondering if that might not be a pivotal point in Sunday's game.
1: Yeah, and Matt Jones faced a lot of pressure last year too. Once Dante Scarnecchia retired, Stan, that offensive line just hasn't quite been the same. And to my, my point prior, not only is Matt Patricia trying to call plays, he's also he's also tasked with coaching the offensive line. So rather than being able to sit with Matt Jones and the receivers, or just sit with the offensive line, he's trying to sort of split his duties in between snaps and. Listen, the offensive line at times played okay. They actually ran the ball fairly well early in the game, and then it just kind of went to heck uh, in the second half. But the biggest issues, is they just like made mistakes picking up assignments. Like um, Tom Brady, that was a <clears throat> that's like a training csnerek. Like you forget the Tom Brady <laughs> here. Matt
0: Jones, come on, Casey, get he it together. Was under
1: pressure. <laughs> I know he was on his blind side, and uh, Brandon Jones came from the back. He was kind of blocked by linebacker uh, Marvin Ingram kind of blocked Mac Jones's field of vision, but neither Trent Brown nor James Ferentz picked him up, and it really belongs, the blame really belongs on Trent Brown on the left side, the left guard um, for that line, and that's another guy can like, Trent Brown, when he wants to be, can be a really good offensive lineman, and sometimes he just takes plays off or doesn't go full out, a little Devontae Parker, and, like, things like that used to not fly in New England. Like, you had to be all in, and now it kind of feels like they've gotten to a point where they're not winning games and they don't have that MVP quarterback on their, on their roster anymore. And so you kind of got to go with guys who are willing to be here and, you know, win or lose. And that feels to me like what they have with Trent Brown. Like Trent Brown should be better than he is, but he got Mac Jones absolutely pancaked on Sunday afternoon to the point that he had to have x-rays after the game.
0: You know, that's really shocking to hear that. If I heard it from a team that is a perennial loser – Um, You know, like the Lions or teams that struggle, you know, you guys not giving 100% because they figure, you know, we're going to end up 4-13 and anyway, you know, that kind of thing. And it lands your spots on hard knocks. But to hear that about a Belichick team, because, you know, obviously we're always aware that, you know, you do it his way or it's the highway. Um, Brady was a big influence. But to hear that they've got players with that head coach, given his reputation, it's stunning to hear that.
1: I know. It, it, and it's like there's there's been a lack of discipline with this team now for a couple of years running where, you know, you, you have to, like, comb through box scores to find times where Belichick teams had too many men on the field, jumped off sides repeatedly in a game, false starts. Now those happen with regularity where they just make dumb mistakes. And they're not – like those little details – that always used to be cleaned up very quickly and were like the hallmark of a Bella coach, Bella tech coach team just aren't there anymore. I mean, there, I keep going back. It was such a, it was, At the end of the day, it was kind of, a, it wasn't a super consequential play on Sunday, but the dolphins in the first quarter had a fourth and one and decided to go for it. The Patriots called a timeout first quarter. They're driving, the dolphins are driving down the field. You know that the Patriots called a timeout One it's just that a, you know, a defensive plan, but also to say, under no circumstances did anyone jump off sides. That's all we need from you. Just don't jump off sides. What happens, like, literally on the two count from Tua, Carl Davis Jr., neutral zone infraction, new fresh set of down. Now, the Dolphins only managed to get a field goal, but those types of things would never happen with the Patriots before, and now they happen with regularity.
0: Wow, that is amazing. It makes you wonder uh, two factors here. Is it possible? That, like some of us, we mellow with age. Is that an issue? Um, And the second thing is, you know, this is the way the NFL draft was designed, that when you're on top, you draft from the bottom. And is it finally catching up to them?
1: Yeah, and I think, honestly, you know, defensively, Bill is usually a pretty good drafter. But offensively, he hasn't had as much success. So where even if you didn't have a great defense, you always had Tom Brady to make up for it. Even if you didn't draft well, off- offensively, you always had Tom Brady to make up for it. So you never realized that Bill Belichick's draft picks left a lot to be desired. So there's just, quite frankly, not a lot of young, homegrown talent. I made the point today on our show call, which I was on right before I jumped on with you, that maybe that leash for Bill Belichick is getting shorter and shorter. And I got a lot of pushback from people. And, and somebody said, you know, well, they haven't had a lot of good draft picks and this and that. And I said, who makes the draft picks, who runs the Patriots? Yeah. And th- the person, my boss said, you want me to say Bill Belichick? I was like, yes, cause that's the answer, right? Like that's the answer. It's the, it's the key issued the code red. <laughs> that's who Bill <laughs> Belichick is. And if he's not doing his job at some point there has to be, and I don't necessarily think that like Belichick's going to get fired mid season or even after the year, but, you've got two of your buddies and Joe judge and Matt Patricia running your office. You know, you got your sons on the defensive side of the ball. And actually both of his sons actually do a pretty good job coaching, but like at some point heads are going to roll. I don't know whose heads they are, but Robert Kraft has not been happy for a couple of years now with the product that's been put on the field. There are rumors that he went up to Kendrick Bourne who only played two snaps on Sunday and said, that will not happen again. Kraft is not known for meddling in Bill's business, like a Jerry Jones with roster decisions. There are just a lot of things that are lining up to say things cannot stay like this much longer, and I don't think Robert Kraft will allow them to.
0: Well, this is really stunning. I'm so glad we were able to get you uh, you on today, Uh, aside from the X's and O's of it. It sounds like that there are internal rumblings, things that we seldom hear um, out of New England. Very interesting. This probably all means that they'll play the greatest game in the history of the Patriots oh, and the Steelers on Sunday. That usually, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're setting them up to fail or to succeed in this case. Um, but I'm, I'm anxious to see this team perform against the Steeler team that's still kind of trying to find its identity as well.
1: Yeah, they can't beat Mitch Trubisky, man. I feel like, you know, things aren't going well.
0: Thanks to Attorney Kisnera Casey for being with us. She's recently married. I can't tell you how shocked I was. Not to hear about their personnel issues, but to hear that is Belichick losing his grip? Is there trouble in paradise with Belichick and Robert Kraft? I don't know. It's always darkest before the dawn. I don't know if we should be concerned. They come out firing, or is this really a franchise in a state of decline? You might hear that from any franchise that's had trouble winning. That obviously does not describe the Patriots. Even with Mac Jones last year, they had a winning year, his first year. But to hear Belichick and the disorganization and players not giving their all, That certainly adds some intrigue to Sunday's game. Well, thank you for joining us on the Savernon Steelers podcast. The podcasts are posted every Monday and every Thursday. We hope you enjoy them. Please tell your friends about it. A reminder that you can join me for a lot more of this on a daily basis. Savernon Sports on ESPN Pittsburgh, 970 AM. Or you can get it on the iHeartMedia app. Very easy to do. You download the app. It's free. And you can also join me and Charlie Batch in the postgame show Sunday afternoon or Monday nights or Thursdays, whenever, after the Steelers game on Steelers Radio Network and Steelers Nation Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you again at Saverin on Steelers Podcast. Get in zone, auto zone, Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today?
1: My check engine lights on.
0: Mm, That could hurt your gas mileage. The AutoZone free fix finder service can help find the fix for free.
1: This whole report for free.
0: That's right. Printed and on your phone for free. But what if the fix is too tough? We'll recommend a local shop. Fix finder only at AutoZone.
1: AutoZone.
0: Restrictions apply. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes.